comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone, and I'm your host. Today, I am joined by Tanner and AJ from Aztec's Coverage. Guys, how's it going? It's good, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Absolutely, guys. It's it's, really, it's my pleasure. Uh, Before we start, I want to remind everybody to... uh, Follow Aztec Breakdown Twitter, uh, the Aztec Breakdown Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, the YouTube channel, all that stuff. Guys, do you want to want to plug your your stuff real quick? Yeah, if you guys want, you can follow us on Twitter at Aztecs Coverage, and we just got our podcast running on Spotify. So Aztecs Coverage there too, if you guys want. Awesome. So let's start with. Uh, the football game on Saturday, this game yeah. against Nevada. What, oh, I mean, just tell me what your guys' reactions are to that. Yeah. So, right, so yeah. my initial, uh, yeah, you can so, go. Um, yeah, so obviously it, obviously it's not what it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not what we wanted. Um, it seems to always happen when the Aztecs get ranked mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we have, we have a letdown game. Um, kind of become like a common theme with the Aztecs. Um, overall, um, I think that I think that uh, change probably has to be made at um, offensive coordinator. I don't think that Jeff Horton um, should be our guy for for the future. Um, I heard some I heard some rumors or just some or just like some speculation. I don't I don't really know if it's like anything big or anything, but Kevin O'Connell um, the former Aztecs quarterback and the offensive coordinator for the Redskins, um, his apparent, apparently his, his uh, dream job is to be like the head coach for the Aztecs someday. Um, if that guy, you know, if, if he, I think that one, one, a good idea for the future, you know, he comes on, he's the offensive coordinator. And then we kind of just groom him to be like the head coach once like Rocky retires. Um, but overall, I think that I think that our offensive coordinator, I think that a change has to be made. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying there. I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Jeff Horton. It seems as like once we don't have a Rashad Penny or Donnell Pumphrey esque back, we seem to kind of crumble this year. Our offense is stagnant, and we've got a top defense, but we can't complement it on both sides of the ball. Jawan was not effective at all last game against Nevada. He averaged one and a half yards per carry on 12 attempts. That's That just can't happen overall. And then I've seen some pretty ridiculous takes on Twitter about Rocky Long, like how he should get fired. I think that's just ridiculous considering what he's done for our program. That's just my take on it. So that's, that's a really good segue because I was going to say you guys are both of agreement that Jeff Horton – needs to go and then the next question was going to be does rocky need to go too because like you said that's that's floating around in the ether 
Yeah, exactly. I just, that's just crazy to me considering how he keeps getting us to this position where we're in a seven and one. He's gotten us ranked in 2017. We got ranked. He puts us in these positions and we seem to crumble in the spotlight. So I, we just got to close out these seasons when we had, we had a chance at the new Year's six, actually, if things went our way, but not looking too yeah. good right now. Yeah, yeah so. definitely. Um, I don't think that Rocky should be fired at all. Um, I think that we're really lucky to have him as a coach. Um, if we did decide to move on, if we did decide to move on from him, I think that'd be a huge mistake. Um, I think that our program it just it would not be as good because um, if you think about it, if you put a coach like Rocky on one of those like Power Five teams, I think that that team is gonna you know they're probably gonna compete for a national championship. Um, we don't really have that luxury at San Diego State, uh, but I think that Rocky is a great coach and um, I don't think that he deserves some of the slander that he's been getting on Twitter and like all that. Yeah, for sure. I think we're all, we're all pretty much on the same page here. And a part of me was hoping that uh, we wouldn't be just to avoid the group think a little bit, but that's, that's okay. I, one of the things I value most about Rocky on top of, uh, you know, the excellent defense year after year and all that stuff is just that, you know, other programs come up to him and say, Hey, we'd like you to, to coach at our school. And he says, no, you know, despite them offering more money and stuff. And I think for a mid-major program like San Diego state, that, that is worth a whole lot because we had, you know, Brady hope when he was the head coach, he left after two years, he had a good season. He started a rebuild and then he left as soon as things got good for, for supposedly greener pastures. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to fire Rocky, that's always my first question is who's going to come in and replace him. That's not going to leave if they find a little bit of success. So that's important. Exactly. Like if you're going to fire your head coach, you need to know who's coming in after it's similar. And what you said about Brady Hoke, I can think of a better, like more true statement. He's done great for our coaching staff this year with yep. the defense. And I honestly, what, I don't know what Tanner was saying about if we were a power five school, if Rocky long was like, let's say the head coach of USC and you give him all that money and all that, the facilities, the staff, and you let him do his thing. I think he can turn that talent, all those five-star recruits into something special. I think we just can't take Rocky for granted. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that just, just overall, I think it would be a huge mistake fire uh, Rocky. Um, we're really lucky, really lucky to have him as our coach. Okay. So it seems like the fans are pretty much in consensus and, and we're all pretty much in consensus that Jeff Horton needs to go. And I'm normally pretty hesitant to say that a coach needs to be fired because I just, the way like my mind works, I want to identify what the specific problem or problems are and then, you know, identify how to fix them. And, and I feel like when I see like on fan posts and stuff, there's just a lot of inconsistency in what the problems are, but they all still get blamed on Jeff Horton. That being said, as I just said, we're all pretty much in agreement there. My question is, would you guys as fans prefer to see him like booted tomorrow? Like he's gone and bring somebody else in or should it be wait to the end of the season and then bring in somebody who is on the market that shows promise. Um, See, at this point, 
I feel like it's just a little erratic. We've got like three games left. We're going to have our bowl game. We're most likely going to face Boise State in the Mountain West Conference Championship. I just don't think it at this point in the season, how late we are, it's probably not the best to fire off as a coordinator and try and get someone running plays yeah. for us. But I would like to see a change before next season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I'm on the exact same page as you. Um, firing him right now, I don't think would be a smart decision. You know, that's just usually firing a coach midseason, whether it's in college football or the NFL. It just usually does. It doesn't tend to go well. Um, I think, but I definitely think that in the off season, um, I think that that is when we need to move on from him. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to like interrupt what we have going this season and, you know, make like, make like a huge change like that. And I, I don't think that that's the way to go. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you guys said it. I don't think I have anything, anything to add to that. AJ, you mentioned real quickly as a segue, you mentioned that the Aztecs football is still on pace to meet Boise state in the mountain West championship game, which Rocky says is always his goal is to win that championship. Does that mean you're confident that the Aztecs can turn this around and beat Fresno on Friday on a short week? Honestly, I'm never too confident with this team. <laughs> they scare me. That game against UNLV, I just, it's hard to watch, man. Like they, Just considering how undisciplined of a football team that UNLV was, they were just shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again, giving us chances, and we just got really lucky to even come away with the mm-hmm. win in that game. So I can just never say that I'm confident, but I do expect us to be able to turn this around and get that win. But you just never know with this team, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think that we probably should win the game. Um, yeah, I'm, but, you know, I'm not very confident in it. Like, I'm not going to be shocked if we lose. Um, it just, it, it would just be too, too like, typical for that to happen, especially against a good team like Fresno State. Um, you know, we've had some good battles with them, and, you know, uh, they always seem to give us, like, like a pretty good game. So um, definitely not not too confident, but I think that we should win that game. I think the betting line opened up at uh, Aztecs' two-and-a-half-point favorite. So the odds makers tend to agree, but – Oh man, there was that last game. Well, it, it said the Aztecs were like 17 point favorites. And I think I tweeted out like, that's easy money. The Aztecs aren't winning by, by 17. And somebody, I don't know who it was, and I don't want to pick on them, but I was like, somebody tweeted back at me and they were like, Nevada isn't even going to score three points. Like Aztecs are going to cover that. And I was like, no, stop it. It's, even if they do only score three points, the Aztecs are only scoring six. Like that's easy money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they they don't tend to win games by by like a wide margin. You know, uh, I think that pretty much any time that they're favored by three possessions, I think that you're going to want to take the other team in that. Especially this season. In years past, with Penny and Pumphrey, I guess I could see that we used, we used yeah. to run it up on teams, but this year it's just not the same. Okay, well, 
I think that's that's enough of the sad story of football. And hopefully they can turn around this week and get a win against Fresno. Um, let's move on to basketball. I don't know about you guys. Basketball is more of is more of my passion. I definitely like football. I enjoy it, but basketball is is my main sport. With definitely. that, with that, what do you guys think about that BYU game? What were your thoughts as the game was finishing? Overall, I thought we did play a little bit sloppy, a lot of missed layups, but I know there's a lot of room for improvement. Shackle, he was really the key to victory there. He's, I just can't even put into words the improvement from last year with his ability to shoot off the dribble. He's nearly automatic if he has space. It's just great to have him on our team, on our side, when we go up against teams like that in that atmosphere. That was a huge win for us. I saw we have two votes now. I'm starting to get really excited for this season. We should win our next four going into that Creighton game on Thanksgiving. I'm starting to get excited, man. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um, 100%. Uh, Trone, I'm also with you. Um, Basketball uh, with the Aztecs. It just, that just seems to be my, my, like definitely my favorite thing to watch over a football, even though our football team is usually, usually like pretty good. Um, There's just something about the Aztecs basketball. I love it. Um, and, um, with the BYU game, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, definitely really, really, um, good and bad, I'd say. Um, obviously it's going to be more, um, good. And I think that, um, uh, even, even with, I think we won by five, I think, I I think that was it. Um, yeah, but, uh, like you were, like you said, AJ, if we make some of those wide open layups, um, we win that game by 20, you know? which is extremely encouraging. Um, and then, um, and then like also something, something that I wanted to like add in there, uh, even though like we could have had some more points for sure. Um, I think that BYU also could have there. I, I don't know about you guys, but um, I felt like there was like a bunch of like threes that they shot that were like halfway in and then out. Yeah. You know, they had a bunch of, yeah, they had a bunch of just open threes that just, that just like weren't falling. Um, so I would like us to tighten up a little bit on, uh, on the defense, and obviously that is kind of hard against a team like um, like uh, BYU. You know that's that's what they do best is shoot the three. Um, but overall, I am extremely extremely encouraged by our um, win for sure. Yeah, man. Like when Shaq was that hot, even like teams know now you have to guard up no matter what. If he is anywhere near that ball. On the perimeter, he's going to be a floor spacer all year. KJ Fagan, I've, I'm starting to finally see what that guy's about. He was, he's getting his rhythm. I can see his ability to score all over the floor. And I finally saw Malachi Flynn when the game was on the line. He's able to take over, lead the team, big-time moments, and he's just pushing us over the edge right now. Got a lot of, got a lot of playmakers on this team, whether that be – Passing or shooting. Let's do a little uh, – let's play a little game here. This is totally unscripted. But we were talking about the uh, – just all the missed shots around the basket and and how bad it was in, in the BYU game and even going back to the Texas Southern game. If I told you – I'm on Synergy right now. If I told you the Aztecs um, – have shot 36 shots at the rim. How many points do you think they've gotten from those shots? Mm, that's 
That's interesting. Um, knowing that, knowing that, I mean, obviously each point, each shot is worth up to two points. And then also if they take a layup and it goes in and they draw the foul, then that, that foul shot would also count as one of those points. 36 okay. shots, um, huh? Yeah. Oh, God, that's somewhere in like the 40, 50s range. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit. I think, I think I'm going to go lower, lower than that. I think I'll go with around 30. 30-something in there. So on 36 shots, they've scored 32 points. Wow. Wow. Which which is good for the 13th percentile in all of Division I basketball. So they're better than 13% of the team in Division I basketball at shooting at the rim. Now that's through two games. So that can change a lot, but that doesn't doesn't bode well if that were to continue. For sure. Definitely not. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's not what you want at all, um, especially against – I mean, we – I yeah, that – it just shows um, how much like, room we have to improve, if anything. Um, but that definitely needs to be worked on. Um, building off that, um, one thing that, like, I kind of wanted to, like, talk about um, – and I know it's only through, like – it's only through like two games, but mm-hmm. Yanni Wetzel, um, I think I, I think there was like a few shots that he had where he missed. And I think that you said it in your last podcast, you know, we're going to have to deal with him missing like a shot at the rim, like mm-hmm. probably like once a game. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, um, he did not look great in the uh, game against BYU at all um, on, on the defensive side, but especially on the offensive side, I was pretty underwhelmed. Um, he had a few really bad turnovers and some wide open misses, I think, at the uh, rim. Yeah, I, I wrote something similar. I I think he's an offensive liability that game. He just like he was doing all the right things to get open. He had some pretty good post moves, and then he just can't finish. Like you said on your last podcast, he just can't. He seems to miss the easy ones sometimes, and like you gotta mm-hmm. make those when it's on the games on the line. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's. That's something I saw in the tape back at back at Vanderbilt too, so that's been a a pretty consistent thing. I'm trying to pull up his numbers real quick. His in terms of his player impact plus minus, which you know measures his his offensive impact on the floor basically adjusted for the level of competition. He's in the negative on offense, um, basically minus two points per 100 possessions, but on yeah. defense he's plus seven points. So a net five point positive, and that's once again through two games. Um, yeah. But what, like, yeah, like you guys have been saying, net positive, um, but a little bit of a liability so far on the offense. Yeah, end. yeah, and like overall, I'm not too worried about it. You know, I trust in this coaching staff. You know, I think that I think that he's, I think that him and and really like the rest of the guys overall are gonna like are probably gonna get it together. You know, like you said, we're only through two games. Um, finishing at the rim, you know, that's just, just a simple fundamental part of basketball. And um, I think, I, I don't think that that uh, flaw is going to last much longer at all. You know, what's kind of surprised me this year though, is Nolan Narain. I haven't seen him check into the game one time. I don't think he's injured. And it's surprising considering he's just been such a letdown since his freshman year. He was such a, he looked so promising that freshman year. And then I don't know. He's just really fallen off since then. I haven't even the uh, the the story is 
that he is injured, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I read that from, from Ziegler, and I've seen that some other places too. I don't remember what the injury is, um, but I'm pretty sure he is That injured. would make a lot of yeah. sense because I haven't even seen him get into a game this year. So I was – Yeah, because otherwise he would have gone in during the Texas Southern game. Yeah, for that, sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, 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 because both of us – both of us were at the Texas Southern game, and we kept saying to each other, like, where is Nolan Narain? You know, like, mm-hmm. this is – this is like pretty shocking, but yeah, that, that does make a lot more sense um, that he's uh, injured. Speaking of when we were yeah, at Viejas, gonna... seeing a key shot up close and personal, I think that guy has really like the sky's the limit with his potential. I think, I don't want to say this, but like what I'm, he reminds me of like a very poor man's Giannis, like his build, his, the way he goes about attacking the rim it kind of reminds me of Giannis Antetokounmpo, honestly. I don't know. He's just not ready for the big games. Like, if I was Dutcher, I probably wouldn't have played him in that BYU game. It's good to get him minutes here and there, though, so he's ready come next season because I think he's going to play a pretty prominent role. Yeah, yeah. I think that he got, like, five minutes in the game against BYU, which, you know, isn't, is, isn't much at all. Um, no. So, so, like, I think that's fine. But, yeah, um, I, also like, I also agree with you. He just is super long, lengthy, you know, kind of like the Asics players of like old, you know, I think that he fits that mold. Um, he has, yeah. And then kind of like, kind of like the comparison that like, that like you were making Giannis, like we're obviously not saying that he's going to be Giannis, but um, yeah, but um, he is, he is kind of similar and, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it, it, it's extremely interesting to think like what he's going to be like as like a senior, you know? Um, and and it's just not on the offensive end either. You know, he's, you know, I think he grabbed like, he grabbed like quite a few rebounds in, in the game against Texas Southern. And, um, you know, with his like length, he should be uh, an above average on a defense too. For sure. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, once again, this is two games and he's played like 20 minutes overall. But his his player impact plus minus, his, his defensive is really good. It's, it's at about nine. Um, but his offense is at negative 10. So yeah, net negative overall, but the defense is looking good through those two games, at least, you know, on paper now in, in practice, when you watch that BYU game, you can see there's times where he's out of position and stuff, but overall it's been okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think that he has a lot of room to grow for sure, but the potential is definitely there. I think 100%. He's one I'm, He's one I'm glad to have. Uh, I was worried about him coming in. And I think I've mentioned that on, on the show before that I was worried that his motor wasn't very high. And I was worried that he was he was just very raw. And he is he is pretty raw, but his motor has been a lot higher. And I think just the tape I had seen, he wasn't being challenged enough. And so that was that was very encouraging. What do you guys think about? Uh, so the Aztec basketball team, there's. They got one vote in the in the latest AP poll, and somebody mentioned that a minute ago. Uh, and the vote was as the number twenty four team in the nation, so it's worth two points. Um, and the vote came from the BYU beat writer. I don't remember his name at the moment. Do you guys think that vote is earned? Do you guys think um, like it'll go away next week? What like what are your thoughts on that? I feel like we every season, even our prime years with 
Coach Fisher, we always seem to be disrespected, in my opinion, by the national media, especially at the start of the season. I feel like it takes us, it takes like the media weeks just to realize like this team's for real. And I'm excited. I do think we earned that vote. I don't know if we should be ranked 24 already, but I think we should have votes get ranked. So I think it just kind of evens out. We just got to put everyone on notice. And the way we do that, we just got to keep winning, keep playing our game. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, yeah, I think that would, I I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Obviously, I don't think that we should be ranked yet, but I agree. Um, Every year we seem to, or like at least in, in like our good years, um, I think it was only like a couple of years, maybe like one or two where we actually started the year ranked. And then, um, we just built our way up. We just built our way up like through the season. Um, even though like we didn't even start like having votes or anything. Um, it just seems to happen a lot. Um, so, you know, I think that if we can win our next four games, I'm hoping that we can get a, a few more votes there. Um, you know, climb a little bit and then, you know, going into that game against Creighton, um, you know, I'm not like expecting to like win both of those games or whatever. Um, but I think that we, if we can put together a good a good performance there, you know, like this this would this is not likely to happen. But if we somehow came out with like two wins there, then I would expect to be ranked definitely for sure. Like if we start the season eight and zero with a win over Creighton and maybe like a Texas Tech, uh, even though it is very unlikely. Something I do want to just quickly go back to the BYU game that I know this team is different from these last couple of seasons. Cause I don't think either of these past two seasons, BYU went on a 16 0 run. They took initiative in the second half. They had a nine point lead and our guys battled on the road in Provo and were was able to come out with a W. I think that's extremely encouraging. I don't think any of our past teams had the ability to do that these last couple of years. Definitely. Yeah. I think that like our past, our past few years, we've been under 500 playing on the road, like four and seven, four and seven. I think we even had season at four and nine. Um, and yeah, no, uh, I think that, I think, I think that you're right. Um, I think that in most of these seasons, we would have just accepted the loss at that point. I don't think that we would have had the ability to like, to like come back. Um, I think that might, that might show a lot of like, of like the veteran um, like experience that we have, you know, we only have the one freshman in, in a, in a Keisha Johnson. Um, and I think that that is definitely a factor in that, um, our, our just ability to persevere through, through like, through like a 16 hour run and like a 21 to four run, like you were saying, and then, you know, come back and, and get really what was a huge win and a win that could go a very long way, um, and potentially getting in, potentially getting an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. The game, that I immediately thought of as, as the BYU game was ending was uh, the Mountain West Championship last season against Utah State. Uh, it's on a neutral court, so not exactly the same thing, and, and Las Vegas isn't at elevation, but the Aztecs outplayed Utah State for, for 35 of the 40 minutes of the game, and it was just that five-minute stretch to start the second half, and after that five-minute stretch, they they couldn't put it together. You know, you could tell they wanted it. Obviously they, they, they wanted to win, but they, they couldn't actually put together the comeback. And, you know, once, once BYU took that lead and they were putting some distance 
in between them and the Aztecs, I was like, man, this game is at elevation. Our guys are getting, they're getting winded. They don't have any oxygen. This game is over. And they still managed to pull it off. Um, and, and I don't know, I give a lot of, a lot of, uh, credit just to the elevation in general and, and how hard that can be for athletes. And so that, that factor alone makes it even that much more impressive for me. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Oh yeah. It's great to yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, as you mentioned the, uh, game from my last year, I think that, um, like this game was, um, obviously, um, the, obviously the point that you made was, um, good where like we, we didn't do what we did last year. Um, whereas we fought through like adversity and stuff. Um, this, this was more reminiscent of, I'm, I'm sure that you guys do, do remember this game. I think it was in like 2014 against New Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. when they had, mm-hmm. when they had Cameron Bearstow and we were down by a lot. I can't, I don't remember exactly, exactly, exactly what it was. We switched to the one through one. It was like 19. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we switched to the one through one defense and we just went on like a huge run. Um, and that, and that's what won us the, um, mountain West season, like championship, um, regular season championship. And, um, I think that like, obviously it's not, it wasn't as big of a game as that, but it was similar in regards to us, in regards to us fighting through like, fighting through like a big like deficit, mm-hmm. um, and that was extremely extremely encouraging to SC. And um, you know, if this season is anything like that season with with when we beat New Mexico, um, then I think that we're in for some really good um, games and like a really good season overall. You can you can find that that run on YouTube. There's a there's a video. And I don't know the title, but somewhere in the title it says 19 to 1 Aztecs run. And, and you can find it's not the whole game, it's just it's just that part of it, but it's still like 15 minute long video. And sometimes when I'm at the gym, like on the treadmill or something, I'll I'll pull it up just for the fun of <laughs> kind of ridiculous, but it's all good. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that's probably one of my best Aztec memories for sure. So um I mean, unless you guys have anything else to talk about in regards to, to BYU or really just the season in general. Um, what do you think? Have you guys looked at Grand Canyon at all? I did do a little bit of film on Grand Canyon. Interesting. So I haven't yet. So um, I've still been trying to catch up on, on the BYU game. So, so tell us what you've seen. So I don't think this is a game to look over, honestly. But something I did find interesting is a player I've been following since his high school days in Jalen Fisher. He is uh he transferred from TCU. People call him like the yellow Mamba or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> he hasn't gotten, I don't think he's gotten his NCAA um, eligibility waiver signed because he hasn't appeared in a game so far this season. So GCU has been running shorthanded. They've been running seven man lineups, like the only seven man mm-hmm. men out there. And basically, four players are playing the entire length of the game, so that's interesting. I think we can capitalize off that with the full court defense, try and wear them out. We have a deep rotation, so if we get fresh legs in there, hopefully we can capitalize on uh, a short-handed team. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, when I saw that GCU was on our schedule, you know, it kind of gave me some flashbacks to you know losing to them twice, you know, um, mm-hmm. which were not, which were not some good memories for sure. Um, so I was, you know, obviously like 
I guess like a little nervous, I guess, just because of like our history against them. Um, but um, I think that this team is a little bit different than than our teams of old. You know, um, obviously we should win this game, um, and I and I do trust in our team to be able to be able to pull out a win. And the fact that Jalen Fisher hasn't even played yet um, just makes me a lot more confident for sure. I completely forgot that Marvin Menzies joined their staff this offseason from UNLV. I completely forgot. That's crazy. You know, I forgot that until just now. I remember reading that, but now that you said it, I, it just brought it back. <laughs> that, yeah, no, that's something else. And then two players on GCU to watch is um, two of their guards, starting guards, ju- uh, the junior, Isaiah Brown, and freshman, Jovan Blackshear. They're consistent and they're efficient scores. They're gonna, we're going to be watching them for about 95% of that game because, again, they don't have much of a bench. They're shorthanded. But I was pretty impressed by um, Blackshear especially coming from a freshman, the way he was able to facilitate and score against Illinois. And I think they lost to a D2 team in Davenport. So I found it pretty interesting, honestly. Yeah, you know, whatever I saw that they lost to that Division II team, um, that just made me a lot more confident for sure. Um, We're also lucky we're not playing in Grand Canyon because their student section's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which was kind of surprising to me, you know. I didn't, I, I wasn't expecting that whenever, whenever, whenever we were playing them at all. So I haven't watched any any tape. Like I said, I have been looking at them like on Synergy and Ken, Ken Palm. Do you guys have a Ken Palm subscription? Sadly, no. Okay, I saw I saw one of you guys tweeted about it, um, but I know like you can get some of it for free if. You weren't aware, um, and for anybody who's listening that wasn't aware, there's a similar website that is free. It's called uh, barttorvik.com, and the guy does a lot of similar stuff. Just you know, his algorithm is a little bit different, um, so teams will be in different areas. He has the Aztecs at like the low 30s right now, as opposed to Ken Palm, which has us at 81. So some differences are pretty significant, but it does a lot of similar things. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because Ken Palm, you know, gives you, lists you a bunch of different stats. And one that stands out to me is uh, Grand Canyon's rebounding on both sides of the ball. They're one of the worst rebounders in, in the nation, which I think bodes well for the Aztecs. Definitely. Especially with our twin towers mm-hmm. in Wetzel, and we got so much length down in the post, down on the block. We should definitely be able to capitalize off that. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely something that um, showed in the game against BYU, also for sure. Yeah, on paper, this this team looks a lot like BYU to me. So, like, they have they have two players that are that are taller than six eight, but one only played four minutes against Illinois, and the other one played 16, but he was in, he was in foul trouble, but regardless, like the second guy should have gotten more minutes, you would think, but didn't. So they play really small, similar to BYU without Yoli Childs. And uh, some of their most efficient play styles are off of like backdoor cuts, you know, which was how BYU got a lot of their points was 
was a guy like TJ Haas would dribble towards the corner and the guy in the corner would back cut and get around Malachi Flynn or Jordan Shackle, who was trying to get the steal. Um, so I don't know if their play style is necessarily the same in terms of the plays they run, but in terms of just the very generic, like they struggle to rebound the ball, but they take care of the ball type of thing. Um, it seems pretty similar just with less talent and less depth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The depth is going to be something we can definitely. They're super shorthanded. I think they just got one of the, a couple of their players back against Illinois, but again, they're not playing like serious minutes. They had like three. I think they had four players play thirty-five plus minutes in both games. So that was something I was surprised by. Let's. I can pull it up here real quick. It was something like that. Um, we got there. There are five starters. Uh, Carlos Johnson played 40 minutes. Lorenzo Jenkins played 35. Isaiah Brown played 35. Jovan Blackshear played 34. And then Alessandro Lever was their 6'10 big man who only played 16. So, yeah, yeah. four guys played 34 minutes or more. Yep. Yeah, you know, that, that sounds good. Um, yeah, and just like thinking of that, I think that our full court press. Um, like I think you said earlier, AJ, it could be something that's very effective against this team and should be able to help us out a lot, um, you know, leading to baskets, um, just like easy layups, which hopefully hopefully we hit this game, um, and, um, and, just like, and just like some really good defense for sure. Someone that I've been well, – oh, sorry, continue. Uh, so I was just going to say hopefully like – BYU maybe to a lesser extent because they were able to pull it out, but in both games the Aztecs have kind of lost lost something coming into the second half. You know, the second half they haven't played as well, with the exception of you know the very end of BYU when they were able to come back. Um, so hopefully, playing against guys that are winded like that will help them keep their foot on the gas there and, and help them execute better than the other team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's something that'll be um, really important in in like our games this season is um, just playing at the same level we did in the first half, going into the second half. And um, yeah, this game should um, should be one that we that uh, we are able to do that with their lack of depth for sure. Someone that I've been a little bit underwhelmed by, who's kind of a question mark for me coming into the season. I'm curious to see how he if he can pick it up, is uh, Trey Pulliam off the bench. He seems kind of like an offensive liability, honestly. Like, his scoring, he seems to hesitate from beyond the arc. It's just not something I'm – his handles are good. He had that one pickpocket steal that led to a layup. But overall, I haven't been too impressed by his play so far. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, – I think that I – I, I had like the same thoughts on him. Um, yeah, I think that he was one of the guys that missed like missed like a wide open layup in the uh, game against in the game against BYU. Um, yeah, and he was also he was also kind of like kind of like a question mark for me too. Um, I think it, I think it's almost going to be kind of hard for him to get minutes on our team. You know, with like with Fagan and Flynn, and we have Seiko, who's like who's probably our best defender on the uh, perimeter. Um, I mean, hopefully he can he can he can like kind of like turn it around a little bit, but um, but yeah, I, I've also been kind of 
kind of underwhelmed by him too so far. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree that I've been underwhelmed by him. Right as the season was starting up, I went back and I looked on my notes of like any of the tape I had seen, whether it was in Swish League or at his other school. And there were times where I just wrote like, wow, like, or like love this kid or something like that. Right. Where I was just like amazed. Cause he did something, something really good. Um, yeah. His, his offensive player impact plus minus is at about negative 10 right now. And I'll probably tweet all these numbers out. It's, it's actually worse than Kashad Johnson's wow. at this moment. Um, and he has the worst overall impact on the team so far. And it's, it's not even close. It's at negative 10. The next closest is Joel Mensah, who's at negative six. Um, so has been underwhelming. I think where I would differ is that, um, I do think he's going to turn it around. I think they're, I, you know, I don't know if it's, he's getting used to the game or just getting used to his role, whatever the case may be. I do think he's going to turn it around, um, as he gets more time. And I think actually, uh, Adam Seiko is going to lose his minutes to Trey Pulliam. Um, which is kind of sad because I like Seiko and his and his defensive mentality, but I think yeah. Trey Pulliam, if he's if he's playing to the level I think he's capable of, he offers a lot more than Seiko does. Yeah, you know, I, I think that he definitely is a lot more gifted on the offensive side for sure. It's just um, about him just like putting it together, yeah. which, like you said, um, I am pretty encouraged that he will eventually soon soon enough. But if not, it's nice having Seiko back there because we know what he can bring. Um, Definitely. So that's good. That's I think that's all I have. Do you guys want to add anything else? Um, check in. Uh, maybe I don't know. Just one last thing. I would not. For sure. I feel like the forgotten man sometimes, not by us three, but maybe some of Aztecs Twitter is we cannot take Nathan Mensa for granted. That guy is all over the glass. He's a staple in the interior for defense. I feel like he's – I think you said this in one of your podcasts. He might be like the most important player on our team this year because yeah. we cannot yeah. fare without him. Yeah, it would be tough. His numbers aren't aren't great right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think those will change. And, yeah, I – yeah, I have nothing to add to that. That's you're right yeah. on the money. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that. I think he's going to play a very big role for our team this year, for sure, one hundred percent. Cool. Well, guys, Tanner, AJ, thanks for joining me. Um, you guys can all all the listeners can find Tanner and AJ on Twitter at Aztecs Coverage. And look for their podcast, like they said, on Spotify and hopefully soon come into other platforms, iTunes, um, on Anchor. You guys are on Anchor, right? Yeah. Cool. So Anchor, pretty much anywhere you can find my podcast, you'll probably be able <laughs> to find their podcast. Um, yeah, well, guys, thanks for joining Thanks for having us on. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for sure. It was it was a lot of fun. Definitely. We'll, we'll do this again and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come on your guys' show. For sure. Definitely. For sure. Cool. That, uh, that does it for this one, Aztec fans. I'll catch you next time.